<laughs> Good morning, everybody. Welcome to High Point Church. My name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here. It's a beautiful morning here in Kennesaw, Georgia. I know some of you are literally looking at weather alerts on your phone uh, during church today. It's a little bit crazy outside, isn't it? I told our staff that we weren't allowed to talk about the weather from the microphone anymore because we always tend to talk about it in some form or fashion, but today is an exception because we literally broke like four umbrellas at the front door just trying to get people into the door today. A little bit crazy. I didn't expect that. Did you? I didn't. Uh, so good morning and welcome. If this is your first time here, we're so glad to have you at, at High Point Church. We are, in fact, part of a ministry called Every Nation. Uh, it's a global ministry, and our heart is to plant churches around uh, the globe and to, uh, to do them around areas with college campuses and to reach students, to reach the next generation. This is how I was engaged. It's how I got connected into what was happening with Every Nation was through campus ministry. And so we love reaching the next generation. We love praying for the next generation. We love allocating resources for the next generation. We are not here just to play church or to just have a, a yippy-skippy little moment. We want to engage our city with the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the greatest good news you will ever hear. And it is the very thing that will change you from the, from the ground up, from your head to your toes. So we're excited to be here uh, today. We had a powerful weekend uh, as well. We had, um, I know I'm kind of just relaying the things of the week, so to speak. We had a Pastor John Rohr in town uh, this past weekend who was ministering to some of our college students and to some of our families. Uh, raise your hand if you were able to be part of Engage the Spirit uh, this past Friday. It was powerful, uh, where we had uh, Pastor John just praying prophetically over people and four people in our church, and there was a tremendous amount of ministry uh, that was happening. It was powerful, and I want to encourage you to not let that just be this contained little moment. I want you to take what God kind of reignited in your heart and in your soul and continue to put it into practice, to walk in faith and to trust Him, to walk in faith and to trust Him, and to walk in faith and to trust Him, right? Because it's easy to get discouraged, isn't it? Isn't it easy for the weight of the world to feel like it's crushing down upon you? It's easy to feel that way. Whether you're single, married, divorced, whether you're mourning, whether you're full of joy and excitement for the day ahead, it's easy to feel the weight of the world. So let's take that special moment that God gave us as a church, and even if you weren't there, talk to somebody who was. Hear a testimony. And let it encourage you. Amen? Do this. Turn to the book of Mark. It is uh, a special day today as well, uh, as well as next Sunday. It's, today is Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, so to speak. If you're reading the scriptures or if you've got a version Bible plan, uh, you're probably somewhere around the triumphal entry if you're reading chronologically uh, through uh, where we are in the season of the year. Next week's Easter. And so Holy Week is beginning. And if there's ever a week to talk about confusion, disappointment, unmet expectations, it's this week. And I love Easter. But for those who were experiencing Easter, it, didn't feel, it doesn't feel like an Easter service. 
Like, everybody gets excited for Easter, and we put on our Easter clothes, right? But to those who were actually experiencing the first Easter, this was hell on earth. This was confusion at its greatest height. And so we're going to begin a conversation today, and we're going to continue it next Sunday about expectations. Now, I wasn't here last week. Pastor Jason was here. He spoke. Heard he did a fantastic job. I had the luxury of being in Gatlinburg, Tennessee with, with, with some family members, had a cute couple days out of town. And there's nothing like breaking the rhythms of your life, right? Like getting outside of the rhythms of how you kind of just do life to realize, man, I'm really tired. Right? You know what it's like when you finally kind of shut down work mode and you're in the car and you, it's, like you, you, it's like you get outside the force field, right, of Georgia and all of a sudden, you know, you just, holy smokes. Oh, I've been running hard and didn't even know it. Right? Now, your children don't care that that's the case on vacation. There needs to be a code, I feel like, for children on vacation. Because, you know, your parents don't really get the vacation that you always dream of having when you have little children. Hear me. Going on vacation is fantastic with your children. But if you think you're going to come back rested from it, dream on. Right? That is not the case at all. But we had an amazing time with our family. My sister's family, my mom was there. Fantastic. We did the Ferris wheel. We did the Alpine coaster. I fulfilled my fatherly obligation at the very top of the Ferris wheel. What did I do? All the family in the cart? You rocked that thing. Because that's what you do. That is what a dad, that is my godly responsibility as a father, is to help my children overcome fear. So you rock the cart at the very top, and everyone's panicking, right? Now, yeah, this, was, this is what happened. We ate ice cream. And we, we went to this place in Gatlinburg called Ripley's Believe It or Not. Oh, yeah. And you walk around, and you watch and look and read about the weirdest people who've basically ever walked the earth, people that have literally replaced their teeth with tiger teeth. Why? Why not? You know, you, you, people who've tattooed every square inch of their body, people who've had horns literally implanted into their heads. <laughs> this is real life, folks. And then there's an exhibit where you see shrunken heads and real life shrunken heads from, from tribes and they've collected and they're artifacts and there's several left in the world and they're there for you to look at. And then there's even a tutorial on if you want to shrink a head, right? And because this is knowledge that we all need right now. We need this information. I say this because while our vacation was fantastic, Maybe Ripley's Believe It or Not was a little underwhelming, I might add. You know, you're paying, and you know how this goes. Whenever you pay for something, you naturally have an expectation of what you're going to experience. You know, and you're swiping that card, and everybody's walking inside, and they're scanning your little tickets, and, oh, this is going to be amazing. And you get in the elevator, and up you go, and then you walk out. You walk through it, and you're looking at just weird things. And Amy is like, this is ridiculous, right? You might find yourself at the end with a little bit of an unmet expectation. It happens, doesn't it? Have you ever stayed at a hotel, and your expectation was not met? Raise your hand. Of course you have. 
You've gone to a restaurant and your expectation was not met. Maybe you moved to Kennesaw and you thought to yourself, this is going to be my moment. I'm moving to a new city. I'm going to be able to make friends with ease and I'm going to be finally relationally connected and your expectation wasn't met. Maybe you're graduating from college or you're getting ready to and you have an expectation that you will able to get a job it's a natural one and yet sometimes people struggle with finding one we can have unmet expectations maybe you're in a relationship maybe you're divorced maybe you're maybe you're dating someone there are all kinds of built-in expectations that we have of each other of one another and might i add of god if you come to church you have an expectation If you've put your faith in Jesus, oh, we'll go one extra mile here. Oftentimes we have an expectation, don't we? That because I put my faith in Jesus, that life should feel and look and be experienced this way. I mean, after all, following Jesus, right? And yet sometimes, many times, the minute you put your faith in Christ is the minute life suddenly feels that much harder why how does this happen and what do we do about the chasm in between reality and what our minds are telling us we should be experiencing well palm sunday is a great week to talk about unmet expectations and i believe as we pursue jesus and as we follow him and we get into the scriptures You're going to have some tools and you're going to have some resources and you're going to have God move in your heart in a way that hopefully inspires you and encourages you and fills you with the Spirit in such a way that you can remember this moment and you can remember this message because there's coming a moment, I promise you, between you and God where what you expect Him to do, He isn't doing. And What do you do in that moment? Anchor yourself to what you know is true. You trust him anyway. Father, be with us as we open the scriptures today and we read Palm Palm Sunday. We're moving our hearts today. Amen. Mark chapter 11, 1 through 6. Jesus has been ministering, might I add, for three years. Preaching, teaching, performing miracles, healing the sick raising the dead, feeding the poor. I mean, amazing, prolific ministry. His approval rating has never been higher than it is right now. He is at the top of the charge. Charge? Charts. If he was selling CDs, if he had, if he had posters and, and podcasts, he'd be at the top of his game right now. Not getting any higher than it is in this moment. And here we are in Mark chapter 11 as as Jesus begins his fateful entry into Jerusalem. The final week of his life at 33 years of age. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, 
the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a cold outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. Jesus knew all the details. I find it interesting as we head into what is one of the most confusing moments, probably the most confusing moment in the life of the disciples. Anybody who would be following him, Jesus knows all the details. Jesus is sending them into town. And by the way, when you get there, you're gonna, you are need to look for a colt. And when you find it, make sure that it hasn't been ridden before, because that's the one you should be looking for. And then go ahead and untie it. And when you untie it, there's going to be some people who say, bro, what are you doing? Like as if, why are you stealing that? And you say, well, the Lord needs it. Jesus, the one whose approval rating has never been higher, he needs this cult. We're going to bring it back shortly. And all will go well with you. Right? He knows all the details. And if I'm one of the disciples, I know myself well enough, I would be tapping the brakes right here. We haven't even gotten to the, to the really hard stuff yet, but I would be confused. I would be puzzled. And one of the things that I want to encourage you this morning, church, is that understanding sometimes in your life can wait, but obedience cannot. It is very easy for us sometimes to think that in order to obey, we have to fully understand. And that absolutely is not true. It simply isn't true in your relationship with Jesus. There are so many things that he is going to inspire you to do, to ask you to do, to encourage you to do, to convict you to stop. And you will not understand. You won't see the great picture. You won't see all the details. But understand that you have a Lord and a master who does and that he understands all the details of all the plans, and that even if you don't see it and don't understand it, you can still obey him. There have been so many times in my life I've reserved obedience because I didn't fully understand. Whether you're a teenager, whether your marriage is going through a hard time, whether you're on the other side, maybe you're divorced, maybe you're a student. Maybe you're just trying to find a job, right? Understanding sometimes takes a minute, and sometimes you will never get it. But obeying him in the midst of not fully grasping what he's doing is still possible. Let's keep going with this. Everything about Holy Week is what I would consider to be confusing. But I will tell you this much, that just because there's pain doesn't mean there's not a plan. Just because there's pain doesn't mean there's not a plan. And so here we are, reading about what's, what's happening with Jesus. And Jesus is entering Holy Week. And Jesus has said something, church, repeatedly now. I don't have the scripture to put up on the screen, but he, he, he declares that he is laying his own life down. Do you remember this in the, the scriptures? He talks about the fact that he, no one is taking his life from him, but he, in fact, is giving his life for you and for me. He's giving his life for the sake of the world. 
But sometimes when we, we head into Easter and we head into Holy Week and we head into the crucifixion, we talk about things like murder. And hear me, I realize that happened. And yes, he was murdered. And yes, he was crucified. But I want you to catch this. None of that happens without Jesus stepping into the plan that God had put in place. So when Jesus is preparing to stand before Pilate, Jesus wasn't crucified because Pilate was afraid of the pressure of the people. Jesus wasn't crucified because the Pharisees were jealous of Jesus' ministry. That's ultimately not why he died. Jesus didn't die because the crowd rallied together and made it happen. And he really fully didn't die because Judas betrayed him. He died because he willfully and willingly followed the plan of his father and he gave his life for you and for me. And that gives me great hope because there are a lot of mistakes that I've made and I can think to myself, I've really blown this. The plan that God had for me has just been train wrecked. There's no recovery at this point. Not true. It's not true. God's plans are greater than your greatest mistakes. I actually believe that while Judas chose to end his life, he didn't have to end his life. He didn't have to do that. The Pharisees, I mean, hear me, Jesus fulfilled prophetic scripture in this moment. And so you have this tension between free will and God's plan. And I have some of you that joke about wanting to know, is it Calvinism? Is it Arminianism? Break down the theology here. I don't have answers for you on it. I don't fully grasp how God's will and God's plan and my free will fully work together. But here's what I know. I know I have the ability to choose and worship him, and I also know he has a great plan. And even though I don't fully understand, I choose to obey and trust him anyway. And even though I see people making huge mistakes, what I also see is that there is a plan that is at work in the midst of those really poor choices. It's warm in here today. Power, there was a big power surge before everybody got here today. I don't know if that affected the air conditioning. If you are listening by podcast right now, Pastor Andy is sweating buckets on the stage. <laughs> Good times. I want you to hear this because it is, it's so easy to walk around like Eeyore. Right? Lost my tail again. I, I blew it again. Made the same mistake again. Life isn't going very good again. Sorry, Pooh. Lost my tail again. And we have this Eeyore spirit about us. Is it a real spirit? No. But it's this Eeyore thing, right? Where we just kind of, we, we have this false martyrdom. Rather than walking in the victory that Jesus has actually offered you and me. And that even in the midst of your greatest mistakes, God has plans that are greater. He has great plans for you. Even though 
you've taken a left or you've taken a right. I want you to understand God can work and still move and still execute his incredible plan for your life. Don't get trapped into that, that, that cycle, that vicious lie that somehow you are the mistake. You're not the mistake. You might have made a mistake, but you're not the mistake. And Judas bought right into it. Judas bought into the idea that it wasn't that he just made a mistake. He was the mistake, and so he decided to end it all wrong. It's wrong. There's always hope. Jesus was executing the plan that the Heavenly Father had put into place. Some of you have moments in your life where you've blown it, and you've blown it big. And I'll also tell you this, that when you come out on the other side of it, some of you have already described, man, I would never want to go through this again. But man, look what God did through it. Look how God brought his plan in my life to pass, and he did it oftentimes through my mistakes and through my pains and through my thick-headedness. God is working. Verse 7, when they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and while others spread branches, they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now, if you're reading a Bible, you don't catch all the things that aren't happening here. This is Palm Sunday. This is the moment we celebrate Jesus getting on a cold and riding into town. The plan is coming to pass. And there are children and there are people who, who realize it's Jesus. He's coming into Jerusalem. It's finally happening. It's happening. And they go and they literally cut down palm branches and they begin to wave them, singing, Hosanna, save us. Save us. They're not talking about spiritual salvation. They're talking about save us from our Roman oppressors because they were so sure that God's plan included their political freedom. Oh, they were sure of it. And they're laying coats on the ground. And Jesus is riding into town on a donkey. And he's fulfilling again prophecy in the book of Zechariah. are so sure of God's plan in this moment. Jesus gets into town. There's celebration. There's singing. The disciples are with him. He goes to the temple. The scriptures say from Matthew, he teaches a little bit. I think does a miracle or two. And then calls it a night. He literally says that since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. It's, I love it. He looked around at everything, saw it was late, and was like, well, guys, let's call it a day. 
and they leave. Now, this is the moment. You've just had the branches. You just fulfilled scripture. People are singing. People are shouting. People are expectant. People are ready. You roll into town. Okay. See you guys tomorrow. It's like a fireworks display. Imagine seeing a fireworks display. What do you always wait for? You wait for the finale. Because you know the best is reserved for the end. Imagine sitting through the fireworks display and then instead of the big finale, it's just black sky. Nothing, nothing commences. There's, there's no finish. There's no ending. There's great frustration, isn't there? You waited. I got the kids out for this. You know, we've been waiting up for the finale moment. There's no music. There's no, there's no party. There's no, there's no anything. Only this is way more than a fireworks display that's on the line. This is you expecting to be set free. The victory of Jesus over Rome. And you're not getting it. Deep frustration. Jesus was preparing a triumphant victory. It wasn't the kind that anybody wanted. This is the reality of Palm Sunday. that we're reminded that Jesus has a plan and that plan is about his victory and triumph over sin and death. We look at these people in scripture and we realize, man, they, they get it wrong. They just didn't understand what the true victory was and the true triumph was. Why weren't they amped about it? Why weren't they pumped? They just didn't see it. Those poor naive people. And yet, I am reminded and confronted with the reality that oftentimes it is the victory and triumph that Jesus is offering me that I don't want either. I want him to do something else. See, many of us want Jesus the victor, but we want Jesus the victor and Jesus the triumphant in our own terms. We want Jesus triumphant to triumph over specific things, and when he doesn't, we get deeply frustrated and angry and depressed and discouraged, and we get blown around like reeds in a field. Jesus, the triumphant one, I need him to be triumphant in my bank account. And if my bank account doesn't reflect a certain number or a certain place or a certain thing, where is God? Am I not blessed? Are you not the blesser? Why is there no victory here? I want Jesus to give me triumph in these relationships right here. But there is still strain there is still frustration and angst and worry and fear. God, are you not triumphant? What's the deal? We want Jesus to be victorious in all of the areas of our life, the situations and the circumstances that we deem 
him to be victorious and triumphant over because it will make our life feel better. But Jesus may or may not be offering victory in those areas. The victory that he has purchased you and I, which is the greatest victory of all, is his conquering sin in your life and him conquering death once and for all. That when you die, this is not the end. There is eternal life for all who believe. But in just a few days, these people who are waving palm branches in the street would be calling for him to be crucified. How? Because he's not being triumphant in the way they want him to be triumphant. Jesus is victorious. He is victorious over sin and death. And nothing compares his victory, nothing, everything pales in comparison. And yet our selfish tendency to look at our lives and think that because I don't have something, Jesus just must not be at work. Has he conquered sin and death? Then he's at work. Has he set you free? Then the greatest gift you will ever taste is in the palm of your hands. Tried to think of what this was, this would, a contemporary example of what this would be like. This is an insult to it, but we're going to go there. There's a movie that's getting ready to come out. It's the conclusion. Avengers. Okay. The final installment. What is it? End Games? Isn't that what it's called? End Games. It will probably be the biggest movie, literally, in the history of, of the movie universe. And I'm not joking. It will probably have the biggest opening weekend of any movie in the history of the world. Because the world is that amped and that expectant of the conclusion of this film series. They're excited, and they are pumped, baby. People are talking about it. They're posting things about it. Every little trailer comes out. People share it, and millions of people are talking, and blah, 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 blah. And imagine you go, and you've got your tickets, baby. You're on the way to the theater. You've got your friends. You've got your seats reserved. You can't wait for the action scenes and the battle scenes because those who actually have the power to do something, Captain America and Black Panther and Spider-Man and all these people, you want to see them put their power on display and be victorious over the great oppressor, Thanos. That's what you paid money to see. And imagine going and the world is watching, and instead of fighting Thanos, they turn and say, Thanos isn't really the problem. You are. Your sin is the issue. So not only are we not setting you free from Thanos, we're calling you to die to yourself. This is the real victory. 
you would say to yourself, I want my money back. You'd be outraged because you have an expectation. This is what you think is happening. And we're talking about a silly movie that will probably be awesome. But in the grand scheme of things, it's a movie. We're talking about lives and people and nations and cities and people feeling oppressed and thinking that Jesus was going to set them free from their oppressor. And he did set them free from their oppressor, but it was the oppressor that they didn't even know was truly oppressing them. And they had unmet expectations. And rather than turning to God, running to God, praying to God, crying to God, they murdered him. Here's my question for you. Mark chapter 8. This is just a chapter or two before what we're talking about with Palm Sunday. Scriptures say that Jesus and his disciples went to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. Jesus has a mission, and that mission is to suffer and die for you and I to be raised again in new life for you and I, for us. He's teaching about his triumph, but his triumph doesn't look the way that they think it's supposed to look. They're confused. They don't understand. And if we're really honest, there are so many moments and so many things that God is still doing that you don't understand. And we don't see it. And we don't grasp it. And we, because it doesn't look the way we want it to look, we think that Jesus isn't operating in victory or triumph. And he is. You just don't see the fullness of his plan at work in your life. And the good news of Palm Sunday is that even though you may not understand, you can still trust him. And even though you may not see how it's going to work out, you can still obey him. Because God has a great plan. And he has not forgotten about you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't forgotten about your needs. He hasn't forgotten about your pain. He hasn't forgotten about your heartache. He hasn't forgotten about your children. He hasn't forgotten about your teenager. He hasn't forgotten about the dreams that are in your heart. But even though it may not look the way you expect it to or the way you want it to, I can promise you that with God, it will always be better than you ever dreamed of. 
stand to your feet. Lord, I thank you that the week before Easter, Resurrection Sunday begins a week of utter confusion of utter letdown, of utter mystery, of utter head-scratching. Lord, we're thankful for these pictures in Scripture because it helps us, Lord, identify with not fully grasping or not fully understanding. And Lord, standing here today, Lord, every single one of us has things in our life that we don't see your victory in. We don't grasp it. We don't know where you're working. We don't understand what's happening. But Lord, today we choose to trust you. Everybody standing here, put your hand over your heart this morning. Say, Jesus, I choose to trust you. I choose to follow you. Even when I cannot see what you're doing, I put my faith in you. And I choose to trust you. Thank you for being my Lord. Thank you for being my God. Thank you for loving me. It's in your name we pray, amen. Amen, church. Happy Palm Sunday to you. We serve a God who's worth trusting. God that's worth following. God that's worth giving your life to. You know why? Because all the victory and all the triumph belongs to him. He has conquered sin and death. And we will be celebrating that again and in a different way next Sunday. Amen. See you next week.